Hi, this is Steve Thomas, pastor of the First Baptist Church at Delray Beach. Welcome to our podcast. We study God's Word to apply it to our lives in order to make a difference in this life and in eternity. We hope you enjoy this message. We cry out, we cry out. It's great to be with you today. Uh, today I want to talk on the subject of getting help. How many of you, like, could really use some help? Honestly, just lift your hand right. He's, man, I need some help. I'm not going to say what it's all about, but you're like, man, I, I, need, I need help today. You know, when you relocate, and Julie and I relocated like five times as a married couple, maybe you have too, you have to figure out where you're going to get help, don't you? Where's my grocery store? Where's my drugstore? Where are my people? Where's the doctor? Where's a good mechanic for my car? You've you got to find all these places that you're going you're to get help. Because we need a lot of help, it turns out. But you know, I, there's times I have a hard time getting help. And my least favorite time to ask for help is when I go to the very rare times that I go to the department store to buy clothes. You know how it feels? You walk in there as a man, and really, there's only two things we buy, right? We buy shirts and we buy pants. That's it, right? But you walk in, and they immediately, they, you look like you don't know where you're going, and they come, sir, do you need help? No, I don't need any help. I can find it on my own. I don't like them to help me. Now, if you work in a department store, don't be offended, but I don't like to ask for help because I would rather go home with what I'm looking for than to ask for help. It's kind of a defeat, right? We're hunter-gatherers. We want to go find whatever it is we need. Leave me alone. I, I could find it on my own. I don't like to ask for help in that setting. But there's times when you've got to ask for help. There are, are times when you're like, I've got to ask for help because something is about to happen, and I'm about to either miss out on a major opportunity or some future fun is going to be lost. It was a time when um, Julie and I were dating, and I was, I was trying to be cool. Guys, you know what I mean? You're just trying to put on a good impression. It's like our second date, and um, we're, we're eating French onion soup. And French onion soup has the ability to have cheese in the bowl and all the way down your throat at the same time. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of long and it kind of, you, I don't know how you're supposed to do it. I probably need to watch a YouTube on how to eat French onion soup. But I'm, I'm eating this French onion and that's what happens. I, I get it caught in my throat and, it, and, it's still, and it's just embarrassing and I start to choke. And I start to, to gag, which is not good on a first date or second date. And I start to kind of cough and I, Julie starts to think I'm dying and she shouts to the to the boy, the guy pouring the water, and I, this man needs help, but he doesn't speak English, so he just keeps pouring more water in there. Luckily, I, I survived that. Sometimes we need help. When uh, our kids were little, we had a, an, old, an old boat on a lake in Kentucky, and uh, it was wonderful, and one night we were uh, out on the lake, and Julie had made some, some homemade ice cream, and uh, we were out there just having a great time, and my parents were with us, and uh, beautiful night. As the evening ended, we, 
we motored back to the dock, and um, my Julie was taking all this stuff up, and the kids up to the car. My mom and my dad and I were just finishing up the manly stuff you do on a boat before you, you go back uh, up. And uh, I hit the bilge switch. A bilge is what pumps the excess water out of the hull before you put it away, and uh, it started to run. And if you've ever owned a boat, you know that you don't want that to run very long because that means there's too much water in the boat. But it ran and it ran and it ran and it ran and water kept being pumped out of the boat. But I noticed that the boat was actually getting lower in the water. The boat was actually sinking and the bilge could not pump the water out fast enough and it kept getting lower and I thought, this is not good. I need to get some help. So I jumped in the water, and I kind of found some junk to kind of plug it up. And then, you know what I did? I went to anybody I could find. I knocked on doors. I banged on shop uh, windows until I found someone who could get me some help. I finally found a man who sawed off an old broom handle, and we sharpened it up, and we stuffed it in the drain plug because it had come out. There's a time when you're going to get some help because your boat is sinking. And there's a time when all of us will find the urgency to get help. And that's what we're talking about today in Acts chapter 11, beginning in verse 19. Acts chapter 11, beginning in verse 19. And we're in the story of the early days of the church. And remember, there was this man named Barnabas who was an incredible encourager. Matter of fact, that was his nickname, son of encouragement. And he had given money. He had sold a piece of land and he had given all the money to the church. And later they had used Barnabas. He had been the kind of the gatekeeper to allow Saul, later Paul, to be one of the disciples. Or actually talk with the disciples because Saul had been a persecutor. And we'll talk about that more in a few minutes. And so he was kind of a bridge builder, kind of an investigator guy, kind of someone who you could count on. And Barnabas is now about to be involved in one of the most significant moves of God in the history of his work in our world. So that's what's happening in Acts chapter 11, verse 19. The word of the Lord says this, Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who were coming to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them. And a great number who believed turned to the Lord. So you remember the story of Stephen. He was the, one of the first seven guys to be identified as the disciples to help with the early church. And Stephen was a great speaker as well. And he began to preach the word of the Lord and he, he was accused, and ultimately he was stoned and martyred. And Saul actually oversaw this. They laid their coats at the feet of Saul, this great Pharisee, leader, teacher. And so Stephen was killed, and this, this huge persecution began to happen against the church. And, and there was this time when Saul would lead troops to take people out of their homes if they were, they were believed to be a part of the church, and they'd be put in prison. Uh, some of them probably even killed. And so Saul was leading this persecution and it caused the church to disperse and people began to leave Jerusalem and to go out, probably where they were from or to other regions of the known world at that time. 
And if you remember during Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit first fell, when this incredible event happened that Jesus had promised, there were people from all over the world there in Jerusalem, Jews from all over the world to celebrate Pentecost. And so many of them would have been converted at the time of Pentecost. And when the persecution happened, they either went back to their own homes or they went out into other places carrying the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Which is why we always say when God sends you somewhere you weren't expecting to go, be aware He is leading you to be a blessing wherever He's taking you. Some of you never expected to be in South Florida, but you're here. Praise the Lord. It's a lot of people who need to hear your story, who need to experience the love of Jesus through you. And so that's what's happening. There are people who, who traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus. Phoenicia is a, about a 100-mile strip of land, about 15 miles wide, on the Mediterranean, and really what's now known as Syria. It's north, uh, west of, north and northwest of Israel. Um, Cyprus, you probably know Cyprus is an island in the Mediterranean, about 100 miles uh, west of Syria. And Cyrene, it says there were men of Cyprus and Cyrene who went. Cyrene is a uh, place that had a university. It's in northern Africa. So there's these people from all over the world, all over the known world, and they're going around and they're talking about Jesus and they come to a place called Antioch. Antioch is the third largest city at the time in the whole world. Rome, Alexandria, Antioch at that time. 500 to 800,000 people live there. Think about that. That's incredible. That's a, that's a large city in our day. It's the third largest known city at the time. So think of like New York, L.A., Chicago. Very, very significant place. And Antioch is very Greek uh, in its culture, and it's very pagan in its worship of Greek gods and goddesses. They, were, they had sacred prostitution, and it was known as an area that was very lax morally. This is not nice people doing nice things. These are pagan people doing pagan things. These are people who are very far from God, but still well-educated. And it was a Greek city, meaning Greek would have been the normal language that they would speak. Koine Greek, common Greek, was the language of culture and commerce of the world. So it's really interesting that God sends his people to this place of influence in the region where this language can be used to spread his gospel throughout the world, isn't it? And it says they came to Antioch and they were speaking to no one except Jews. Remember, initially... The message of Jesus was given to the Jews so that they could give it to the world. And just a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how, how Peter was there when the Spirit fell on Cornelius and other Gentiles. And it was this kind of a, a Gentile Pentecost. And it, it became clear that Jesus came for the non-Jew as well as the Jew. And that His Spirit would fill those who were not Abraham's offspring. And so at the same time, right about the same time, this event is happening and people are starting to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, not only with Jews, but also with what's called here Hellenists. Now, if you're a student of the New Testament, you know that Hellenists normally refers to Greek-speaking Jews, but in this context, it's clear that it's speaking of Greek speakers, period, basically Gentiles, because it says 
that they were speaking only to Jews, but some came and also spoke to Hellenists, which means Greek-speaking people. So what's happening is God's people that experienced Pentecost in Jerusalem have spread across the world, spread all the way to Antioch, probably a couple hundred miles from Jerusalem or more, and they begin to share the good news with Gentiles. And it says, the hand of the Lord was with them. What a beautiful picture. The hand of the Lord was with them. See, God never sends his people out unequipped, does it? Does he? He sends them out with his hand, and the hand of the Lord is with them, and amazing things happen. A great number who believed turned to the Lord. So that's the setting for Barnabas. Verse 22. And the report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem. Love that euphemism. It came to your ears. It came inside my ears. Um, That's what it says actually in Greek. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he came, he saw the grace of God, and he was glad. And he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. So Jerusalem at this time, the church in Jerusalem, it consists of the disciples and some others. And remember, the New Testament has not been completed yet. So the disciples at the time were, were kind of the walking New Testament, if you will. They knew the gospel stories. The gospel was being developed. The New Testament was, was in the process of being written. But at this point, this is still very early. And so the, the disciples were the ones who were kind of the keepers of the truth. And so when they would hear of a new church beginning somewhere or a new movement, they appropriately would check it out. They did that at Samaria. And they're doing that here at Antioch. They are caring for the message to make sure that it's being told accurately, that it's not being distorted or it's not being uh, corrupted in any way. And so they send Barnabas to Antioch. They send this guy, the son of encouragement, this bridge builder, gatekeeper guy who can kind of go and investigate just like he did with Saul and determine if this is of God, what's happening there. And so Barnabas goes. I love verse 23. It says, and he came... And he saw the grace of God, and he was glad. Have you seen the grace of God? Have you seen God save and cleanse people who are so far from him? People like you. Have you had that sense of of God saying, I want to give you something that you could never earn, that you don't deserve? I want to give you innocence, forgiveness. I want to make you my child, make you a part of my household. I want to save you and send my spirit inside of you. Think back to when that happened to you. The joy, the incredible experience of the Holy Spirit filling your life. See, that's what Barnabas is seeing. He's seen the Holy Spirit pour out on people who were so far from God. These are not nice church people. These are people who are blatant and outward sinners, known that way. 
but God's Spirit pours on them and they are saved. And Barnabas is glad about it. He's not saying, those people don't deserve this. He's saying, no, I know that God's, God's gift of salvation is for everyone, and I'm so excited. It's amazing. I'm glad to see that he's doing this among these people in Antioch. And what does he do? He, he encouraged them. He, he exhorted them to remain faithful to the Lord and his steadfast purpose. He said, hey, keep doing what you're doing. What you're doing is great. Keep it up. Don't just have a one-time experience, but rather walk in the Spirit and keep, keep sharing this message with other people, other people who are far from God, other people who are Gentiles. Just keep doing what you're doing. The Bible says a great many people were added to the Lord. Now, this is amazing, right? Barnabas has been sent to these people. He's having a great and effective ministry with these people. Sounds like this is where Barnabas is supposed to be. He's the one who's supposed to be the leader of this. And he's got this. And this is what God prepared for him. And he's going to kind of almost even be the, the major guy here. And he's going to be here forever. And it's all about Barnabas. No. That's kind of how we would do it in America, isn't it? This must be about me. This is what God, how God wants to use me. And I've got this. I can do this on my own. But that's not what he does. See, because God is moving... Because people are responding, because grace is falling on people, Barnabas does this in verse 25. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. See, Barnabas says, I need some help. I got to find somebody else to participate in what God is doing and to help these people follow Jesus. I got I to get some help. And so he, he goes to find Saul, who's probably... Not that far away. He's in Cilicia somewhere. Remember what happened to Saul after he got saved. He began to preach. And Saul had been an incredible scholar, a Pharisee, one of the best of the best. He was very well known. And he'd been the persecutor of the church. And, and now he gets saved. And he's been able to preach the, that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. And it just really upsets the whole Jewish establishment in Jerusalem to where they want to kill him. They want to eliminate this entire church. And so the disciples say, listen, man, we, we're going to get you out of town, man, until things cool off. You're killing us. And so they send him home to Tarsus, which again is up in Turkey. And so Saul departs. And he spends about 10 years doing ministry, but not in any famous places, not in a well-known way. He just goes and develops his ministry, kind of anonymously, kind of alone, kind of without much fanfare. Here's this brilliant, brilliant preacher that God sends out for 10 years until Barnabas goes to find him. He went to Tarsus to look for Saul, verse 26. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. And for a whole year they met with a church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. So Barnabas says, I got to get some help. And so he goes, and it, it, the way the language is, it looks like he had to look for Saul. It wasn't like he could just email him or text him or, you know, hit him up on the phone. He had to go find him, and he probably was somewhere kind of obscure. It took him a while, but he worked hard to find him because he knew he needed help. And he brought him to Antioch, and they did ministry for a year 
And they taught a great many people. So the ministry was able to expand and this church was, be able to, was, was able to grow and develop and be ready to reach the world. You see, I think in the process of this, Barnabas kind of got an idea. He said, you know what? I, imagine what God could do through Antioch. Imagine how God could touch the rest of the world through this great city, this church in this great city. Imagine what God can do. So he brings Saul and they teach for a year. And they're so successful that at that point, that at that point, the disciples were first called Christians. Which means those who are followers are who are associated with the Christ, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. They're no longer Jews and Gentiles. They are Christians. This is a whole new group that has happened at Antioch. Not at Jerusalem, but at Antioch, this Gentile city that God is going to use to reach the world. Now, it's interesting that Barnabas went to get Saul. The church explodes with growth. They develop lots of disciples, and we'll talk about this in a few weeks. But then you know what happens? The church gets so strong that they're able to send Saul and Barnabas off on their first missionary journey around the world to go and reach other people. Because Barnabas went and got help. A few things I want us to see from this passage as we consider our own lives. First, when you see God's grace, that's your invitation to get involved and to get others involved. When you see God pouring out himself on people who don't deserve it, people like you and me, that's an invitation to say, how can I help that happen? And who else do I need to help get involved in what's happening? Barnabas sees what's happening. He doesn't just run back to Jerusalem with a report. He gets involved and he helps those people grow and develop. And he helps that church develop. And he goes and gets more help. Let me ask you, where are you seeing God's grace today? Where are you seeing him pour himself out today? If you're a parent, you may be seeing that in your children. God is pouring out his grace on your children as they receive Jesus Christ and are baptized. Well, see, that is an invitation for you to get involved in their lives and for you to get other followers of Jesus into their lives. You see, following Jesus is never a Lone Ranger game. It is always involves other people. It always involves getting other believers into our lives to help us walk with Jesus. And being here today is a great sign that you care about having other people involved in your life. But know that that's to be a constant uh, reoccurring theme in your life that you go and get others to help you raise your children, to help you in your marriage. Marriage is one of the greatest places God can pour out His grace, right? Because that's where we find out what's wrong with us, right? Not what's wrong with her, not what's wrong with him, but what's wrong with us. That's what we find out in marriage, right? And we find out that, God, you've given me so much grace, I've realized what's wrong with me because I can see it in my wife as she has to deal with all my issues. Sadly, so many couples wait to get help until it's, Almost too late. Listen, most marriages need help at some time. At 
some point, you're going to need to get counseling. You're going to get someone else involved. You're going to hit, uh, going to hit a wall that you're going to need help with. Get help. I'm so grateful today that the Supreme Court reversed Roe versus Wade. This so-called right to uh, abortion has never been a right. And if you're a believer in the Word of God, you understand that life matters. But I want to encourage you today, as we even celebrate that, that there are people who need your help. If we're pro-life, we have to be pro-single mom. Amen? We need to be pro-child. We need to be helping people who need help. We see God's grace poured out. It's our invitation to help and to get others to help as well. And there's another group in town right now. There's Ukrainian refugees locally who are looking for help. If you'd like to be helped, to help them right now, I know there's, there's a family that's in need of an old vehicle. If you have a car you'd like to donate, please see me afterwards. Um, just some means of transportation. Uh, Ukrainian refugees who've settled in, in Florida and are being helped by a local church. You see God's grace poured out your invitation to get involved and see how you can help. And the reason is, God is always doing more than we can imagine. We only see just a piece of it. We only see a small part of it. And you know if you're raising a child that you only get to have them for so many years and then they launch and they impact people for the rest of their lives. And in this case, in the story of Antioch, God is just getting Paul started in ministry, really. This is his kind of launch pad. And from here, he will travel the world encouraging, planting churches, writing about half of the New Testament. This little act of getting someone else involved, of you getting help and not someone else helping you can be the launch pad for the next place that God wants to use them in an amazing way. God is always doing more than you can possibly imagine. Third, if you're just doing life on your own, you're, you're being a lone ranger follower of Jesus, you're likely missing out on a lot of what God wants to do. See, it's only when we connect with others and when we get the help of others, when we get mentors, when we're mentees, when we walk together with a body of Christ, that's when we find out all that God wants to do. If Barnabas hadn't gone and gotten Saul, would Saul have launched the way he did? Probably not. Probably not. Don't do it on your own. Get others involved. They need to help you just as much as you need the help. Now, sometimes we're hesitant to get help because maybe, none of you would do this probably, none of you online would do this, but sometimes we feel like we want to get all the credit, right? I love that Barnabas wasn't trying to get all the credit and saying, hey, I'm not going to get Saul because I got this. This is my church. I don't need any help. No, he... He wanted Jesus to get the credit. You see, even Jesus got help, didn't he? One of the first things he did, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Jesus always got help to achieve his mission. So today, let me ask you, who's helping you? Who is helping you spiritually right now? 
Who's walking with you? Who are you sharing your life with? Who are you asking for help as you figure out how to bless your neighbors, or your coworkers, or your children? Who are you listening to? Where is the help coming from? And secondly, who are you helping? Who are you helping? Who are you speaking into? Who are you responding to? And just as a side note, know this, that you need to be asked to help most cases, don't you? If you need help, you're going to have to go find someone to help. It's going to take a little effort. Because in reality, people do not want your help unless they ask for it a lot of times, do they? Have you ever tried to straighten some, I'm sorry, encourage someone who didn't really want it? You poured out all your wisdom and they, they just kind of didn't even say anything. You're like, but I know they needed that. Yeah, that happens. But often you need to look for the people who are asking for your help because they're out there. And you need to go find people who can help you. So who are you helping? Who's helping you? And who are you being prepared to help? Think of Saul. He's out in this region for 10 years, and God is, he's learning, he's growing, he's developing his ministry, and he is really being prepared to impact the entire world. He's in a time, well, he's having some impact, but he's really preparing. You may be in that zone right now where God is preparing you for whatever's next. You may be young, you may be thinking, I'm going to get married, and God is preparing you to be a husband, a wife, a parent. He's getting you ready for what he's going to do next. And that's almost always true in our lives where God's getting us ready for the next thing that he's about to do. And we need to be thinking about that. God, how can I be ready to be used by you in the next thing that you're going to do? How urgent does it need to be before you'll get help? You know, some of you may be feeling like your boat is about to sink. And you keep bailing as fast as you can, but you just can't seem to get ahead of it. And maybe you've never received the gift of salvation through repentance and faith. And maybe you're just constantly trying to work harder and be better and look better and earn it and feel good about yourself. And you just can't get ahead of it. And that boat just gets deeper and deeper in the water. Let me urge you. Get help today. Jesus Christ would love for you to receive the gift he paid for for you. Don't miss out on what Jesus is doing and what the gift that he wants to give you. Don't let your boat sink. Respond to him today. Jesus gave his life to give you life so that you can be a help to others. Would you bow with me? Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to our website at fbcdelray.com. Also, click the share button so you can share this message with a friend or someone in need as we seek to know Jesus, to know others, and to make him known. We cry out, we cry out.